0: Welcome, Tales of Glory listeners. I'd like to welcome you to the big episode 61, where we're going to be talking about M16 Night Strike Outreach Boot Camp. The class continues, Learning to be Sensitive to the Movement of the Holy Spirit, Prophetic Evangelism Training for Street ministry and Outreaches. Yep, today we're going to touch on the touchy subject for church people of street etiquette. What do we do in the outreach? What's our etiquette? What should we be mindful of? What should we do while we're out in the streets? Gosh, Mike, I'm glad you asked me, because we're going to cover that today, and Outreach Etiquette class is open. Come on in. Come on. Take your seats, man. Here we go. So I'd like to thank you guys for joining again. We're doing a uh, street ministry outreach training today, and we are in, what module are we in? I think we're in module three now. If you're following along in the book, I have a book available on a field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com that hosts this show. There's a workbook if you want to follow along. It's for a buck ninety nine. It's a digital download PDF, but it gives you something in front of you that you can follow along with Mike with here. Um, I'm just going to go through the notes and stuff as, as it can. This class was actually put together back in 2013 for my church. Um, I came back with a lot of cool testimonies from the San Francisco streets of doing street ministry and night strike, and other members of the church body wanted to participate. And there was a little bit of training curve to get them up and going in the in the streets out there. And this was the class I put together for them, trained them, and man. It put together some amazing ministers. Some, some of the most amazing people are street ministers you ever meet, man. They're not the, you know, we know about the Todd Whites and the others, but it's the ones we don't know about. Those are the most amazing. There's some incredible people that I'm still in contact with. And it's just, every now and then we get together for ministry. A lot of spiritual warfare ministry stuff now. It's like, cause we've seen this stuff. I get calls now from fellow Night Strike ministers. Hey, would you come help me with this case or something like this? So it's like, once you're raised up in discernment and hearing God and all this stuff, it's just the whole smorgasbord of Christianity just opens up on what who Jesus is and, and how to work in him and stuff like that. We don't really get this training in the church, unfortunately. But you're going to get it here. So we are in Module 3, Outreach Ministry Etiquette. That's right. How do you hold your teacups? Pinky out. That's what we're talking about today. Pinky out, guys. Pinky out. We're going to know who we are because we want to see each other in the streets, right? Oh, hey, you know etiquette. I can see you pinky out. Bum 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 bum. Module three: Outreach mystery etiquette. That's where we're at today, guys. Man, schools in on how to how to be hospitable on the streets. So here we go. So why do we need this? Um, We're entering other people's homes, and we some people don't want to be receptive to Jesus right now, and that's fine. So when we step into people's homes, we don't, you know, (laughs) rearrange things for them, right? It's their home. It's where they're living. So we want to be conscious. Jesus is very respectful of other people. He knows where they're at. He knows what they're going through. He's not coming to start rearranging stuff because that's against their free will. And we have to be careful that we're not going against people's free will. So we must be careful of etiquette when we work with people on the streets and where they're at. For instance, if you go to a New Age fair, you just can't run out and go, hey, we're from Jesus and stuff like that. Because all these people have been damaged by the church. We know that. It's kind of like we're on a recon mission. We're just going to come in. A lot of times they know we're Christians. We don't advertise it. They start figuring it out, but then they start figuring out, you're not the type of Christians we know. The ones we know kind of like criticize what we're doing. So again, somebody outside this who doesn't know outreach ministry going, hey, that's being seeker friendly. No, we are not acknowledging what they're doing or what they're into. We're just going there to love them and try to give them an encounter with Jesus to kind of give them like, wow, what the heck was that? because I've never experienced that before. The reason people go to New Age fairs and these spiritual fairs and all this other garbage is because they have a Holy Spirit homing beacon built into them to search for spirituality. It was put into them from Joel 2.28, and we covered that, right? Um, old men and women will dream dreams, have visions, and all that stuff, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. That includes the New Agers, that includes the witches, that's why they're involved in this stuff seeking different types of powers or going deeper. They have a thirst for it. It's just they're in the wrong mine. You know, They're they're digging up the coal. They're digging up the muck. They're digging up the fool's gold and they're not where the expensive, gorgeous diamonds are at. They're in the wrong mine. So it's kind of like where they're nicely and they think they got it. Ah, oh, this is the stuff. Like, no, you don't quite have it yet. So when we minister to these people, we must be very careful where they're at and just how we behave and we're not to come out of our covert nature. If you know they start figuring out who we are after a relationship built with them, that you guys are Christians, aren't you? Because it just didn't come out in our language, it didn't come out in this thing, but we kept giving them these encounters. And they go, yeah, yes, we're Christians. And that kind of turns the dialogue for them going, well, you're kind of a different Christian from who I know. And once they listen to you and you listen to them, they develop a respect for you. Because I've had people from Burning Man and New Age Fairs come look for us when we're at those places and bring their friends because we developed a relationship where they trusted us. And it gave us the opportunity and the permission to minister to these other people. For instance, I, one of the craziest things I ever had, I had a counseling office for the past 13 years before the COVID hit, and I got shut down um, by finances and stuff, just the economy out here in California. But early on, I had this funny thing where this, this mom brought me her son, He's about 20 years old. He was into this thing called, it was the indigo kids. It's some alien thing. It's some alien belief that they're, they're alien beings. Or they're indigo kids. And mom didn't tell her 20-year-old son that she was bringing him to me for deliverance. I was told this guy needs deliverance. Okay, fine. So at 20 years old, I figured mom and them had the conversation. That that's what he's here for. He was prepped, right? It's going to be a deliverance ministry thing. He's coming on his own. She never told him. She dropped him off at my office and bolted. And the guy didn't know what he was there for. I go, hi. Well, you know, what are you here for? And um, he goes, I don't know. And my mom just dropped me off. I go, well, let me tell you this. Your mom told me that you needed spiritual deliverance through Jesus Christ. He goes, well, I'm not a Christian. And I'm starting to figure that out now, really fast. Holy Spirit's filling me in. He goes, um, so I'm not going to go there at all with this right now because most people thought if they stuck their son who doesn't believe in Jesus or is going through alien stuff or something weird, something New Age, and from a deliverance minister and they got delivered, they become a Christian within five seconds. Uh-uh, that's not how God works. God is respecter of free will. God, God's not going to go, hey, you know, I'm going to come barging in because that's not a loving God. We are allowed to do evil, unfortunately. We know from Genesis, was it 8, where God goes, man is inherently evil. We know we're evil. So this man was dropped off at my place. Um, and I said, just tell me about which what which, which your spirituality is. And he goes, well, I'm into the um, indigo, and I think I'm an alien. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Okay, tell me about this, you know? And I said, I'm not going to press any of my views on you. I think your mom dumped you here for like an hour. So let's just discuss what you want to discuss and what you're into. And maybe if you have any problems, bring them up and we'll talk. So we talked for about a good 45 minutes on this indigo alien stuff. And at the end, he says, you know, I kind of like you. You're not trying to force anything on me. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, I, I apologize for what your mom did to you for dropping you off here because that wasn't fair to you and it didn't respect your values. And he goes, well, I do have this one situation going on. I go, I trust you to pray for me boom, the door opened, right? It's just, you just can't jump out there and start doing stuff to people. It's just develop the relationship with them, find out where they're at. And if you can build a trust with them, and I, I wasn't expecting to pray for him. I was like, okay, there you go. Um, and drop him off. And furthermore, mom dropped him off at a counseling office. I was a paid counselor. And she thought, you know, I'm just gonna drop him off for deliverance. Didn't offer me anything in compensation. You know, and it's not, it's not that I'm saying I do money for deliverance because I don't. On ministry off the side, I don't do that. But when she made an appointment, my counseling office, it was, it was for counseling, right? This is more geared towards Christian counseling. And that sucked up an hour of my time and I get paid for. And, you know, I don't make a lot of money. So it's just these things that are in Christian mindsets we've got to be careful of, of, of outreach etiquette, how we deal with people. Um, it's just, it's crazy stuff like that we have to be super careful of. Be gentle hands these people. We have to respect them. Be careful with them. I remember we went to um, a... It was actually a, a porn convention. I went with Cindy McGill, I tell you that. And I was our spiritual warfare anchor guy and a couple of ladies. And we went with another big prophetic ministry. And this other prophetic ministry for the life of them couldn't keep their mouths shut, couldn't keep their covert undercover. we behind enemy lines. And we were our particular team was making relationships with people. You know, at these conventions, some of these adult actresses and stuff and actors. And because we had male and female team members and we were talking with them at lunchtime, talking them off the side, having coffee with them. engaging and, you know, and just giving them godly encounters. But this other group was out there in a hallway screaming, we're changing the atmosphere. We're changing this demonic scene. Like you're going, what are you doing? So we had to totally distance ourselves, met part of the team because we couldn't see the, let the other people see we were associated with them. That's part of the etiquette, right? Um, If you're behind enemy lines, that's a dumb thing to do. Furthermore, there was so much demonic activity in the whole hotel rooms at night with that porn convention that I had to connect with some of the people just to um, clean things up, but it, it got interesting. But you know, just be aware of what your environment is and what you're doing. When you're going into these extreme prophetic outreaches and prophetic evangelisms, you keep your mouth shut. You don't share it. You're Christian. It's covert ministry. And it's not, again, like we're being sneaky or we're being you know, seeker-friendly. It's because people don't want to talk to Christians right? It's just, we've got to hide who we are. And when the encounter comes, we can let out more and more. Sometimes by the end of these weekends, I know Cindy McGill went over to, um, what's the, uh, movie festival in, uh, Utah. She went there quite a bit and encountered some movie stars and actors and just gave them some powerful encounters too. And the only way it was could happen is if you're covert and they're not knowing you're Christians, they're more willing to work with a psychic than they are to work with a Christian person. You know, go figure, right? What's wrong with that picture? It's because of the behavior of the Christians, and that's why we have to worry about this etiquette. What our other brothers and sisters are doing in the streets. I harped last time about the people, the bullhorns, right? Be careful of the people, the bullhorns, because they, you know, they create images for us that stigmatizes us. All those out there doing work, we're actually making headway. You know, it hurts us big time. So let's go to Part A: Process Evangelism Procedure and Etiquette for Ministers. Recall what Process Evangelism was from last time. It means I'm not the person to lead them through their salvation. I may not be. I may be one of many people that God sends in. That's process evangelism. So if people are involved in the porn industry, or people are involved in Hollywood, or people involved in Satanism, or people in witchcraft, New Age, or somebody just at Starbucks, they they have nothing on the radar for Christianity or despise it. This is how we go in with process evangelism. It's a little at a time. Encounter some real decent ministers who love Jesus and love to work with people and just we're not there to make a used car sale and get their signature that day. In fact, it's not even a Jehovah Witness cold call sale. We're not using pamphlets. We're not using leaflets, nothing like that. Just we're having a conversation with somebody in line. Hey, what's going on? You know, and I, like I said, I've done it in a cigar shop when I was working in my job. I was being flown out places for IT and I was sitting in a cigar shop in a bar with my fellow employees and they can't out what I was doing on. I was doing prophetic evangelism, prophetic ministry to the waitress. And she kept coming back, like, what's going on, Mike there, you know? So once the light bulb goes on, you could do it anywhere and do it covertly without people knowing what you're doing and still minister to people, which is pretty cool about it. So we talked about a process evangelism, procedure and etiquette for ministers. Let's talk about the procedure and etiquette. So number one, follow the revelation and instruction of the Holy Spirit. What's that? Let's go to Acts 8 29 through 30. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? So what happened here? The holy We call this highlighting. This is going to happen in ministry. whether in Starbucks, the Holy Spirit may say, go over there and talk to that person. So the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Go talk to that guy that's on the chariot right now and have a conversation with him. That's what we call highlighting. Um, or some people say, it makes a person glow. You no, know, It's not like that, anything like that. It's just all of a sudden, you have this Holy Spirit conviction. Like, you know, I feel feel i should go talk to this person and you could wrestle with it for a while i do because i'm an introvert i don't want to go talk to people i don't know just you know as a street minister guess where jesus put me right go talk to people you don't know so i'll wrestle with things for a while i'll be sitting in mcdonald's and wrestle for a while and all of a sudden i'll have a conversation that person's like okay that jesus wants me to talk to that person so i'll go do it it may just be an open conversation about nothing and that jesus will lead the conversation so whatever needs to come up comes up because i never have a clue what it is and that it's what opens the door to minister to this person. I may not always be praying for them. It's just having that God encounter, that revelation, that how would you know this? And that's all we have to do. It's that simple drop and go. Drop the mic and go. Um, not leave them hanging, but you know, it, just, it, it, it turns a light bulb on yet, or I'd like say it turns the rudder of the supertanker just a tad to burn the u U-turn. So number two, understand that we are called to be the light of the world in darkness. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So let your light shine. What's that song? Get your little finger out. Let your light shine. It's kind of what we're doing. We're doing it in a very simple way. It's, if you're getting the gist of this, it's conversation. Hey, how's it going? You're I walk by and say, "Sup." So, you know, and then the other person could turn around and talk to you, you know, it's just, it's just subtle. It is so subtle and it's Holy Spirit, it's Holy Spirit triggered. Kind of reminds me um when I was doing street ministry with Night Strike, we used to have these um short-term mission trips and we used to stay at this cool old church in San Francisco. It was freezing cold every time, city view. But one of the days we'd always take people out to um, Haight Ashbury, which is Hippie Hill, which is where the, you know, the summer of love was in the sixties and all the hippies were at. And it's amazing because we would take the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry out with us. And the Bethel School went through different waves and I worked with them. Some of them was, there was cream of the crop. It was great. It was great. And all of a sudden, probably a few years into it, we started getting performance monkeys. Well, these guys weren't like, what is, what's changed? What's different about Bethel now? And the minute we get them out of the van, they run over and they'd feel like they'd have to witness to somebody or give them a prophetic word right away. And so we scolded them. And we said, don't do that. Follow us. We're going to go sit on Hippie Hill where there's a bunch of little um, homeless young people are at. We're just going to sit here. And these, one of the leaders, the guy was just scowling, looking at us, staring us down like, what are you doing? You know, how dare you inter- interfere with our, <laughs> our monkey performance? And so he was just giving us dirty looks. And we go, we goes, what's going on? Just sit here. We're waiting for the Holy Spirit to bring us people. And the guy, like, what? Yeah, we're going to let the Holy Spirit bring people to us. And it's like, how do we do that just sitting here? Sure enough, like maybe half an hour these people started coming down, sitting by us and you know, they're, they're homeless hippie. They think they're hippies young people and we have food and stuff. And we just sit there and like, so it's the hippie thing to do, share food and talk with them. And all of a sudden these dialogues opened and then the leader likes, Oh my God, I see what you're doing. Like we're not doing anything. We just sat here and the Holy spirit brought us people. (laughs) That's how we work this on hippie Hill. We're not performance monkeys that go down and feel we have to give somebody a word. You may not have to give anybody a word today. And as they sat there, and, you know, shared food with these people, broke bread, right? They got invited into drum circles and talk with them and all sorts of stuff. And it just rocked their day. It was such a different ministry where, you know, they're they're taught in Bethel Rump up and pray for somebody in a stroller, right? You know, pray for the kid, you know, and it scares the heck out of the parents. No, in the street ministry, you may not get something right away. You may be told to go stand on a corner or stand by a storefront and just kind of lean there, you know, <laughs> and just wait for something to happen. And that it's how most of our ministry stuff occurred on the streets. We didn't, you know, we'd be walking like we're not feeling it here. Maybe we should be go somewhere and just stand somewhere where the ministry is going to happen. That's what the Holy Spirit will take you somewhere. It happens so much in street ministry where the things just broke out from there. So number three, Jesus will use you as you already are. So Acts 4.13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Okay, so I was an unschooled, uncouthed, untrained, un-Bethel School Supernatural Ministry person training Bethel School Supernatural Ministry people. That's that right there. And where did I learn? I just learned it on the streets of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's just, you don't need a piece of paper. You don't. Sometimes paper costs too much. Then Jesus goes, you know what? I'm going to just use you as you are. He'll train you. You don't need, you know, if that's something you want to do, sometimes you can just, I built my entire own ministry and stuff out of not having that formal training. I had formal mentors who were very good people. Um, some were broken men and some were, some of the pastors I work with were some were very scholarly, very open people I modeled myself after. And they took me on and mentored me a lot. And that, that's what helped the most, you know, getting out there and doing it. And these people saw what I was doing and they were invested their, their self and time into me. And that's how it works. You know, find the people and let the Holy Spirit send people to you. So four, always speak in a way that others can understand you. Uh, Ah, uh-huh. Are you going to shut down a conversation right away? Let's find out. Colossians 4, 4 through 6, that I make clear, which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that means you know how you ought to answer each person. All right? So I've worked with all sorts of different people. I've I've had, you know, <laughs> it's, I minister on the streets and talked with witches. You know, I saw, the witches are out there on the streets too. They're ministering to the homeless. Don't be surprised. So I go and talk to them. Hey, what are you guys doing? I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, and it's like interact with them, develop a relationship. And it helps, too, because I had one witch who did trust me. And she goes, I think you ought to go talk to this person over here. We've tried working with him, and it's not not doing. But you guys, I've seen you guys do some stuff. Can you give it a try? Like, (laughs) they're asking us. (laughs) Like, okay, cool. You know, it's just be careful how you talk with these people. You're a witch. You're going to hell. You know, and um, I've had young people on the streets, you know. (laughs) I had Satanists who trusted me to pray for them. They brought some you know, nice, nice, straight people on the streets from different churches. Oh Lord, you know, just, just break them from the Satanism, break them from the, you know, like that's not how you pray for them. You know, they already know, <laughs> and they look at me. i will roll their eyes, and I kind of just laugh too. So it's just, it just takes time. It just you have to be respectful of them because God's not going to break their free will. They're using their own free will to go to the bad stuff, but also Jesus sending in people like these teams. To show them what the good stuff looks like. And they have to decide. They have to make decisions. That's what it is. Sometimes you just walk away. It's okay. It's good stuff. Let's go on. What else we got here? Number five. Be prepared to give an account of your personal testimony of Jesus Christ. First Peter 3.15 But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense of everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, with gentleness and reverence. So always be ready to uh, give an account of your testimony. What I found out in Night Strike, I was a very effective minister, but my best ministers for working with homeless people were ones who came out of drugs because they could see it in the minister's faces that they have been delivered from drug addiction. They could see it in their faces. And ministers who were like this were the most effective in dealing with the um, homeless people, trying to get them to you know, sway the drug addiction or pray for them or work with them. So it's, it's your walk that may give you the credentials that being learned men at a higher education won't give you. It's who you walked and where you walked and who good God's you encounter with. So, I mean, I've dealt a lot of spiritual warfare stuff and I've done a lot of counseling. So when I walked up with the people, I usually I sense what was wrong right away. Just had an open conversation about that. You know, it's just, I had an incident where I was, um, s- years ago it was night strike, a major, major drag queen performer who wasn't in drag came up behind us one day. We were meeting at our statue and we we're getting ready to set out to go. And this person recognized us as being Christians. And they this guy just blew up and said, I want you to get the F off the streets, leave my F and people alone. There's a whole subculture of drag and like almost like they have their own mayors, their own everything, like sub government culture on the streets. And this person was high up on the food chain. And he goes, I don't want to know what you guys are doing here. I want you to leave these people alone, get off these streets. And remember, this is San Francisco, right? And don't come back here. And I go, hey, what's going on? And he goes, well, what are you doing? And I go, we're just going out to feed the homeless and stuff and just have conversations with them and hang out and talk with them. And he's going, well, I, I want you guys gone. And I go, well, would you like to come with us? You know, it's through this guy, right? Be careful, you know, they want to give the shock and awe. And he was invited. It was like, what are you going to do now, right? It was an open invitation. It wasn't like. He tell me, go you know, go jump off a cliff, because I was going to do that. It's like, Jesus, the Holy Spirit was telling me to talk with this guy, talk with him. And so he walked with us, and he was very skeptical of us for like the first hour. And I started getting prophetic word of knowledge on this guy, too. And I go, you know, I understand your dad did some horrible stuff to you, and you know, I'm, I'm sorry for that. And he started talking about his dad, and, it, and there was like some triggers, too. And, and then he was just walking me, talking to me like we're—he was able to unload— some stuff he could never talk about because he was so far up on the like that drag culture, and we just talked about some of that stuff, and it had nothing to do about being him being a drag, and nothing to do him, him do about you know homosexuality or anything like that. It was just he opened up about his childhood and his pain, and we talked about it. And I didn't make any corrections as to who he was or what he was. I just listened to him, and, and just it was like he found a trusting fatherly voice to speak with him. And that's all it was that night. And by the end of the night. I gave him a Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare book. He accepted. And he gave me one of his Drag Queen CDs, which is kind of funny. I don't want to be disrespectful and say it like that, but I don't know how you call these these performers, drag performers. And so it's just that's the sort of stuff, the connections you're making, right? And I saw him again on the streets a couple of days later. And he goes, hey, how's it going? He goes, you're the only Christian I trust. And he said that to me. And unfortunately, I haven't seen him on the streets since, but I kind of wish we did because I wanted an avenue into some of that places like the drag culture. He would have been um, a let in. So it's just, well, who knows? Timing, it'll come. But I've been out of the city for a while, too, because the occult battles I'm dealing with. God had me stay out of the cities right now because, you know, I'm doing other stuff besides street ministry. That God goes, nope, um, it's a no fly zone for you right now, Mike, just because stuff's so bad. It's not because I can't go in there, it's because of what I'm dealing with the occult. He doesn't want them to recognize me or pick me up spiritually or come on the radar like, that's that dude. That's him, (laughs) you know? So, anyhow. so number six, it is not our job to convict people of their sins. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember the drag queen guy I was talking about? It's, we're not there to convict them of that. Jesus wants to heal the brokenhearted. What's the real pain? So John 16, 7 through 8, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So we need the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins, right? That's what's going to change us. When I talk about convictions of the Holy Spirit, a lot of times I work with people on the streets. Or they're living in sin. I didn't talk to them about their sin. But we had conversations about, you know, what's going on? And they go, well, what are you listening inside yourself? That's called a conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I go, I hear this, this, and this. And I go, okay, where do you feel that's coming from? You know? And so we'd have these conversations in a light bubble going, oh my gosh, you know, I know what I'm doing is sin. I go, yeah, I know. I'm not going to talk to you about that. But you are receiving messages on how to alter course here, right? So we let the conviction of the Holy Spirit work with people. We don't blast them with bullhorns about their sin. They already know their sin. A lot of times that's why they're moving away from God, because they're ashamed. So number seven, pay attention to the listener's expressions. Discern if they are putting up a wall or are open to receiving God's encounters. Mark 4, 26-29, the parable of the seed growing. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So we're at the part where we're tossing seeds in. That's what we're doing here. And like at certain places, is the wall go up? Right? What's a wall? So you're giving somebody a spiritual encounter and all of a sudden somebody goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? And then it may stop and go, well, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. And you answer it that way because they usually don't have a fear of Jesus Christ. They like Jesus. They just don't like Christians. And you can address what the wall is or just, say, or just see if that's where you need to stop. Stop right there and just let it go. Let the encounter go because a lot of times people have so much pressure on them. They don't want to be pressured into anything. And they'll realize what you did was kind of you backed off there and you respected them. So learn where it's at. Do they want more? Okay, give them just a little bit more and then see how much they receive that. And they may get full like, oh, I'm done here. I can't receive any more. That's fine there too. But learn to read the people. Learn to read the crowd. I mean, we had the pagans, the witch fear kept coming back. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Tell us more about this. You know, because they never saw Christians move in power before. That's not secret friendly. That was bold. But we could have been cursed like crazy. They probably did. I know they were down there hexing us. I know they were. I think they were probably freaked out because it wasn't working. Well, I did tell you when we went to that pagan fair the, the witches camp goes, How are you doing this? Because we're 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 we've been um chanting something to shut you down. How are you still in operation? <laughs> it's like, because we're like talking to Jesus. And this is look on their face, you know. It's just, yeah, you can't shut Jesus down. I'm sorry. You know, no matter you know, you could Do whatever you want, witchy wise. You know, go burn a tree or, you know, go dance around naked around it, try to shut us down. It's not going to happen. It ain't going to happen. And it just, I don't want to be that vulgar language, but that's the stuff you see down there. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Good times, good times of the Pagan Festival. So it gets crazy. Um, It's number eight. We may only play a small role in the overall steps of bringing someone to Jesus. Let me say that again. As a street minister or an outreach minister or even just working with somebody in Starbucks, we may only play a small role in the overall steps of bringing someone to Jesus. So we always get that crazy guy from church who's in his mid-twenties, overzealous about saving people, and then just, he just gets in people's faces, and he's annoying. He's not helping anybody. So it's, grad, it's good he's zealous, but he needs to understand that he may play a small role. Maybe he'd be effective with his friends, with his lifestyle, who knows. But when you're in Starbucks, or you're at the pagan fair, or you're at the, you know, the porn convention working on people, we're only playing a small role and I don't expect the salvation right away. It's just we expect to plant the seed, and maybe see a little sprout. Or just get the seed planted. If we're allowed to have the seed planted, that's great too. Cause so other people come by and water it and take more and more people from when they go back home, that Holy Spirit will send the right people in because he knew he gave them encounters. We have to step out of our pride and be more humble that we're not the ones that control salvation. It's all up to Jesus and that individual. Outreach etiquette. Number B, the barbecue and the religious cow. (laughs) What is that, Mike? There comes a time when we must barbecue the religious cow. A religious cow is any method, means, or belief that started out as a revelation of God, but over time morphed into a dead religious system. Religion is what we take, what we give us, and start depending on the gift instead of God. And religious people are those who learn more on the way what they know instead of who they know. That's from Bob Johnson, um, Love Stains, his book. I don't know if it's available anymore. Actually, Bob Johnson was the founder of Night Strike, and he was my mentor for the longest time, too. Good guy. Very good guy. So religious cows, here's what they do. Thinking door-to-door, religious witnessing is a highly effective tool. I even slammed the door on Christian people. <laughs> uh, that's what I talked to them too. And I tell them I'm an exorcist, and they flips out. But, you know, it's, just, it's good stuff there. Or I'll give prophetic word to the young people at Jehovah's Witnesses and they open the door. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I spent a year debating the Jehovah's Witnesses, and it got to the point where I decided to tell them to stop. Because they used to have a couple of people come in with them, and I would debate them in their, their, their translation. And after a month, I guess I became the anti-Mike you know, they weren't allowed. They had to all stay in the Volvo, except for the lead guy. Just like four of them stuck in the Volvo for an hour, and I did it on purpose. <laughs> I got their time. I go, what the other people come in? Let's give them coffee. Oh, no, no, they're, they're, they're out there doing other stuff. So they weren't allowed in the anti Mike's house. Um, it was kind of funny. So it's just, it's stuff like that. You know, the door door stuff doesn't work. But let Jehovah's Witnesses keep working on it. That's You know, that, that's, that's a demonic thing in itself. Okay, another one. Striving to close a deal by leading a person in a sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer doesn't save somebody. It could, I mean, it's it's a step towards it, but salvation comes when they realize that Lord Jesus Christ is real, his presence is there, he feels them, they see him, and he starts they desire nothing more but to know him. That's when salvation comes. So there I said it. You know, I'm not interrupting. Yeah, it's great that the pastors do the um the prayer or you know, look up with you know. Everybody, close your eyes. End the end of service. Like you know, who wants to accept Jesus? That's fine. That's good too. You know, but I think it's more for statistical purposes, right? Sorry, I can't talk that well. With that. Statistical purposes. And you know, like I saved five people this week, or I saved three hundred thirty-eight this month. You know, that's that's fine and all. But did you really? And that's when you start running count Christian counseling and deliverance. You find out who was really saved and who wasn't. You know, go you know, what might they weren't saved? Yeah, just because they said their prayer, they weren't saved. They're not living the lifestyle. They're not pursuing Jesus. They're not trying to find out who He is. And so that that's salvation right there. And embracing that justification as being of value and, and, and wanting to share it with others. That's that's what it is. Another one, attempting to bring Jesus into every conversation, especially when we are helping people. Right? Back to that twenty year old aggressive, uh, uh, uh zealous uh Christian guy like telling you everything about Jesus, you know, we saw a movie last night. Was it about Jesus? Let me talk about you. you know, Why did you guys see if it wasn't about Jesus? You know, that sort of thing. It just, it, Or just nailing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, It doesn't work. People turn you off. That's the whole thing. You don't want to be turned off. Thinking we must know Jesus, the word of God, inside and out before we can effectively love people. Nope. You will never effectively know the word inside and out because every time you read it, you get more and more. So if you have a love for Jesus and you have an incredible testimony of how you got saved or your story, share that. Work with that little by little. And you can just tell people, be honest, I'm just learning to be a Christian, but you know, it's the whole thing about Jesus being inside me and filling me and I can feel him. I know he's there every step of my day and I'm not alone. And it just, it it helped me with my depression, things like that. That's sort of stuff you can share. Share what you got, share what you know. You don't have to know the whole thing yet, but as you do, please plug into and learn more about the Bible. You know, try reading through it. You're not going to glean it all on the very first pass. It can take years. It's it's a constant lifestyle development. Sanctification is over a lifetime. I still read and I go, "Where did that come from? I didn't see that before." I was pretty proud that years and years and years ago, I read through the Bible once. And you know, before I got into spiritual warfare stuff, I read through the Bible once. You know, I'll stop in the back. I made it all the way through. Yeah, that was great and all, but you know. I never had an in-depth understanding of it until the spiritual warfare stuff started happening. And I had to learn quickly. And then it wasn't so much I had to learn. It was like the Holy Spirit lit a fire near my butt that I wanted to learn. Like, oh my God, where is this? Where is this? I wasn't taught this at the pulpit. Maybe I was. Maybe my ears were deaf. You know, I was in the front row, of the, the pew, of the frozen chosen, who knows. But now I want to learn as much as I can. It just excites me. I call myself a Bible nerd. I just, I nerd out over the, the technical stuff. I love learning Hebrew. I love everything about Jesus. It's all there. And every time I dive in, I find more and something different. So you'll, if you're looking at this and constantly looking to be educated, it'll never get dull. Supposing Jesus fits into a nice, neat package. Yep, toss that one. Jesus can be very messy during healing. So don't ever go with that. Assuming tracks are the greatest evangelistic tools ever. Who <laughs> reads tracts? And then, like I said, if they don't understand it, who's going to interpret it for them? Or who's going to tell them the story or unpack it for them? They don't get it. The tracks are ineffective. Sometimes they do work. In some cases they do. I've heard cases from people where they did work, but not so much on my side of the fence, so it's, it's okay. Reasoning that we need to know the Romans road and the ABCs of salvation before we can witness. Nope. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Understand what that means. Understand you know, what John is. Maybe go through John. Study John inside and out. A lot of good stuff here. A lot of good stuff. So believing we should feel like a salesman when we share Jesus. Stop that one. I even got that from other people. Like I'm already saved. Why are you doing this to me? You know, if you don't like it as a Christian, you imagine how a non-Christian wants it. So deeming God is in a hurry. So we must act now. Act now and get salvation for only 1995. Right? It's it's God's not, God's gonna be patient. You know, because it's free will. And that's the one thing you need to understand about all this. It's that person's free will and God's not going to violate it. God will send you a know, little spiritual encounters for them. Let them figure stuff out. Like I said, I worked with Satanists on the street, hate street. And we had one gal who broke her ankle that very night we were on the streets. We prayed and, this, and her ankle was fully healed. And she was flabbergasted. And she goes, but I remind you I'm a Satanist. And I know you're a Christian. I go, yeah, but how's the ankle feel? The miracle, the, the God just, you know, broke Kevin and gave her a miracle to heal it. It didn't sway her, you know. So stop this stuff. That Oprah Winfrey needs to become a Christian, or you know, if this the salvation happens, this miracle happens, and all these people come, no. Everybody's different. It doesn't matter if celebrities get it. It doesn't matter if a Satanist got, you know, a powerful encounter which should have swayed her. It didn't. So it's just who it is. God's God's chasing them, and He's gonna be patient with them. He's gonna get them. Just hopefully they don't. Pass away before they have a chance to, you know, repent and do whatever. Judging, we are not good Christians until we have led people to Jesus. That's not true. You know, it's just... That's an that's ideology we have in the church we need to break right now. We should share about our faith with people, but if you haven't led somebody to Jesus and through the prayer, that doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It just means maybe God was using you like one of these people here. You were a little... Um, person to come in and water the seed, and that's all you're supposed to do. You know, it's not like we have to. It's not going to be a checklist to get to heaven. Oh, I see. You spoke with this many people, and how many of them got saved by you? Like, no, that's that's not how Jesus works. You know, you gave them the encounter, you gave them the testimony of who you are and what, what you know what who Jesus is to you. And that's that's what he wants from us. Like the woman at the well, right? Did she save anybody there? No, she came back. Go come listen to this man who told me everything I've done. And those guys go, what? You know, and they wanted to go here. Same thing, right? So, so reckoning, we have a right to be offended by people's beliefs if they don't line up with the Word of God and don't even get us started on their cultural differences. I live in a multicultural, diverse area, California, and we have all sorts of cultures here, all sorts. And so, it's just be aware of what you're stepping into. And it's like, don't be offended by their beliefs. You know, I've had Indian people, or probably Hindu, have hauntings, had us come bless their house. I went and blessed their house for them. In the name of Jesus, there was peace. And I told them, I want to bless it in the name of Jesus. And they go, okay, and they, well, there's so much peace. And they, they, I guess something happened to somebody's house too. And they said, like, call a Christian and do it. You know. So there's, there's times we can offer little breadcrumbs to them. And I'll do it. And I'm not criticize who they are. And sometimes it gets them in church. What was his power? What were they walking in? When I was in Cambodia, um, working with an orphanage, and I came in for a haunting, and it was with a Cambodian woman. And I think the other one was also a Buddha. This one, the, the headmistress was Christian, and she was taking on this demon in this, <laughs> this orphanage and using her spiritual authority. And the other woman who was Buddhist saw her doing it became a Christian because she saw her take authority over the demon. Where does that happen before? Ephesus, right? So it's stuff like that. God will put people in places to see stuff like that. So don't be offended by their beliefs. God will let you demonstrate your power in front of them. You know, don't, don't offend them. Like I said, if you listen to them, they'll listen to you. That's kind of how it works. Here we go. Let the flames of the barbecue consume the religious cow in all of us. What the flames will not consume are faith, hope, and love. Right? So butcher and barbecue that religious cow. It's got to go. It's gotta go. The people with bullhorns it's gotta go. And just you know, because you want somebody walking up to you in Starbucks and you know, start sharing like, "I've had too, like I Excited the bullhorn people. They know it's Christian. They start yelling at me with <laughs> sin stuff going on. Be be careful who you approach. You know, just do a friendly thing like, "Hey, you know, people want to talk to people. You know, if they're in Starbucks something, they're waiting in line, they'll talk. But keep it light. You know, hey, I'm just sensing today you're having you're gonna have this hardship or you know, say what. Like, I'm just learning to hear from Jesus right now. You know, just say it like that. I'm learning to hear from God. And just throw it out like that and be very, very um, humble about it. And they may tell you that's not true. And he may have rung, rung something with them. Or they go, yeah, that's true. A lot of times I found it too, People go, oh, you know, that, that's not true at all. And you come back a couple of days later. How did you know? I was afraid to tell you, but how did you know? I was listening to God. So it's just, don't worry about what you put out there. Because you don't know how it's going to be received or how it's going to be received later down the road. So good stuff. Etiquette. So number one rule of etiquette I want you guys to remember is stay covert. Stay covert no matter where you're at. No matter you're at a zucchini festival or wherever you're at, stay covert. Ah, here's a good one. Learn to speak non-Christianese. We totally got whacked at church today. I got so wrecked, you know. Or you got a mantle on you. I prophetically see, that's all Christianese, right? And sometimes I don't understand it. (laughs) It's like, what? So God's message is conveyed supernaturally. Stripping the Christian lingo makes the encounter more receptive to the individual. Normal street talk. The message is not weakened in any way or manner because of it. Refrain from using, so saith the Lord. Remember, you heard from here, never say, so saith the Lord, because that's a so saith person who doesn't hear from the Lord. It came from the soul. Sorry. So saith the Lord in church or outside the church, it's religious in the church and condescending outside the church. Yep. I'm hearing from the Lord and I'm telling you, you sinner, this is what you do. That's condescending. I I kind of uh, exaggerated it, but that's how it sounds. So two, Christianese is only understood by Christians. Colossians 4, verses 5 through 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Make the best of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. season with salt, so that may you know how you ought to answer each person. Remove the Christianese. Some people, religious and wounded backgrounds who left the church will find Christianese offensive. They'll, they'll smell it right away on you. So, number three, learn to speak non-religious. Let's go through this. So religious phrases from tract better way to communicate. So, you need to sanctify your soul. That's Christianese, right? And straight English is you need to grow spiritually. Saved by grace. A new spiritual life that is not based on what we do, but is based on God loves us. You need to be fed by the word. God's spiritual insight from reading the Bible, right? Go get God's spiritual insight. Go look at that. No, you be fed by the word. That's right. Pursue the Christian walk. Find out more about the message of Jesus. Repent of thy transgressions. Receive forgiveness for things that you have done wrong. You know, he'll forgive you things you've done wrong. Thou shalt repent. Do not trust in yourself. Learn to trust God in your own feelings. You possess a broken spirit or a contrite heart. need to be open and willing to learn. Road to righteousness. Spiritual journey. So it's like, it's just... Learn what these words are like we use in church. Actually, practice not speaking Christianese in church when you talk to people at church. We can't help ourselves. It just comes out. So learn to speak non-Christianese in church then I'm like, what are you doing? I'm speaking simple English because you got to learn to do that so that people receive what you're saying. It is what it is. It is what it is. Thank you, Jesus. I had a spiritual activity last time where people are asking me, hey, Mike, what book did you read from? It was actually... Um, a children's guide to spiritual meditation. It was actually written by a Catholic nun for Sunday school. Teach contemplative prayer. And I'll put it on the show notes. I don't think it's in print anymore. It fluctuates in price. Um I paid like 15 bucks for it off of um, I don't know, books.com or what it was, uh one of those. Um, but I'll post a link on the show notes on a field guide spiritual warfare.blogspot.com for episode sixty-one, outreach etiquette. You can see where to find it for yourself. It's good stuff. I like using it because it's simple. Some of the if you've never heard from God before or you've never um done contemplation, I like using the children's book because it's it'll help you go. Well, this simple, right? It doesn't have to be hard. So anyway, that's what we got for you now. Um, again, you can find us in a field guide to spiritual warfare dot We um you can find the uh actually the workbook we're working from here today, you can find that there too if you want to take notes and go back and read jot stuff down. And I think the book is selling for ninety nine. It's, it's just a digital download. So it just helps cover costs and time. I think it only just costs for download. That's about it. <laughs> so we love you guys. I hope you enjoyed this. And I think we have one more session left on this. Which module four? Where does it bring us to? Module, 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 module four. Healing on the Streets. Oh, yeah. That's going to be cool stuff there. How do you pray for Healing on the Streets? good stuff until then um from the m16 bunker love you guys until later um, make good choices be a blessing amen